0: Hello, my name is Emily Jennings. Welcome to the She's Heard podcast, where we'll be hearing from extraordinary everyday people from different professions and walks of life about how they found their voice and are using it to speak up and create a meaningful life. You'll be hearing stories that inspire us to be courageous, keep it real, be compassionate, and trust ourselves through the process of living bolder, more authentic lives. Today, I am speaking with the inspiring and resilient Chrissy Shields, founder of Maha Mama Yoga in New York City. Maha Mama offers workshops, urban retreats, prenatal yoga teacher trainings, as well as free prenatal yoga classes. Maha Mama's intention is for all women to live their most authentic, vibrant lives. Chrissy lives in New York City with her husband and two daughters. You can learn more at mahamama.com and chrissyshieldsyoga.com. So without further ado, here's our conversation.
1: I'm not sure the first time I found my voice, but I certainly remember the first time I lost my voice. And I felt stifled and unable to speak. And I was around seven years old. And I had a specific trauma that happened that, you know, those images of people screaming, but no sound is coming out? You know, those pictures? I feel like Rose McGowan just had one. (laughs) (laughs) that's, That's what I felt like. Like, I wanted to yell from the mountaintops. And I couldn't. And so I acted out in a lot of different ways just because of that uncomfortability and that inability to tell my
2: truth. As a, as a seven-year-old?
1: Yeah. I could have been five, but I think I was more like seven. I just remember being young, and I just remember feeling silenced and unable to speak not because anyone particularly told me don't talk that was just a feeling that i didn't i didn't feel safe to speak about it
2: after the trauma happened yeah mhm that's understandable
1: and, yeah and it's almost like i i didn't feel safe to talk about Anything? <laughs> I, 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 and, well, maybe I wasn't even aware of that, but I did feel like after that, I just wanted to push buttons <laughs> uh, and and do outlandish things. I think maybe before that, I probably was like that too, <laughs> but I I certainly had a ability to maybe. I I hate to use this term but shock and awe (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, just because where it goes back to but yeah I I would do things almost for attention
2: but I couldn't get that thing out of my throat so that's very powerful like you remember the moment it shut down and then what happened yeah
1: um you know, I uh, I'm in recovery uh, for addiction, and I I really believe that that was when my addiction spun out. And my addiction didn't start with alcohol um, or drugs. It started with sugar and uh, fantasy and anger.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, and those three kind of like, you know, it's like a -a whack-a-mole, like you would put one down, you would get the other. And I played and danced around those three for a long time until, you know, I would get these whispers of and, and the last one being the anger um but of the the others of like you're where are like like where's your grounding i didn't have any any real grounding and when it got into drugs and alcohol that's when things got a little obviously much more scary and and then i would that's when i really heard like enough enough like y- this is a this is a problem uh it happened How- when i was about yeah when i was about um, uh, 19 20 is when you narrative. got into
2: drugs and alcohol
1: oh no 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 uh, i was about 13 12 or 13 oh. when
2: i when i had yeah when i had my first
1: drink and loved the effects of the drink and any chance i could get i would i would i would drink mm-hmm. um, and the chances weren't that much when i was little cuz I have a great home i you know I grew up in a in a with you know a loving family and so i wasn't really wasn't like I was drinking every day in the beginning, but I certainly when I could go out and um, I could I would drink I would drink until I didn't feel, which is a lot of what the anger and the the sanity to a certain extent but the Certainly the sugar did for me when I was before
2: 12 and 13. Okay. When did you start recovery? Or when did you realize you had a problem?
1: 19 or 20 when I, when I realized that I had a problem with, with alcohol, um, specifically alcohol, because I didn't really get into drugs at that point.
2: How did you know? What were the warning signs? Like how did you know you needed to get help?
1: You know, at that point, I didn't really reach that bottom, that bottom where I was humiliated and down and out and really felt alone. That was about three years before that, when I have three or four or five, when I was like, huh, (laughs) something's not right here. I like this too much. And, you know, my mom would say to me, just have one. Just have two. Like, you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to drink all of that. And I'm and I right. like, but why would I just have one or two? Why? I don't understand why you wouldn't drink more than that. Because, and Stanley Kowalski talks about it in um, A Streetcar Named Desire, it's about the click. It's about, mm-hmm. the, uh, it's about the real shutting, shutting off of all of it. And uh, I, that was the effect. I mean, I like the effect of the, ah. Oh.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
1: I, I certainly like that. And that was what it was in the beginning. But then after a while, you, you, need a, you need more than one to feel the feeling. And the feeling deepens. A feeling of the click, the darkness, or, or, the, or the light, depending on where you are. It's just everything is off. And there's like a numbness. I lived in that place for a, for a while. When I finally hit that big bottom, I asked for help and got it and, but I wasn't ready. I was still in my ego. I was still in my control of it. I got this, I can do this. And I spent seven years from that point trying to stop drinking and at a certain point in there i remember tracing back like looking back at, at you know cuz now i had some time of like not drinking and then i was drinking and not drinking and then i was drinking and i would see my life was better like like i didn't i didn't lose my keys when i was drinking or get into car accidents or frankly sleep with the wrong person i, I had it just things worked out. I got jobs. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> people that, wanted yeah. to be around me. <laughs> you so know? you started to notice how life was responding to you in a different way, and how you were responding to life in a different way when you were not drinking.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and then it was a, a it
1: was a Kundalini yoga class while I was still drinking. That kind of I went to it and I had what feels like an anxiety attack without really, like it was a physical, like I wasn't, I just felt my body tingling all over. I knew that I had found something here, but I couldn't keep doing what I was doing to go down that path. And, and about a month and a half to two months later, I cleaned up my act and I haven't had a drink or drug
2: congratulations a, thanks yeah.
1: and uh, that was about 16 years ago you know I followed the, the path of, of yoga when I say the path of yoga I was really physical and beating myself up in, in my yoga classes in the beginning so I don't consider <laughs> that at all
0: the path yeah. of
1: yoga <laughs> that has been an awakening as well um,
2: but, uh, you know, I think the f-
1: when I really found my voice was when I became a mom. And, oh,
2: say uh, more about that.
1: Yeah. Well, it was big because I was like, oh, there's, there's another, there's another person here. There's another soul that is to be considered, not just mine. Like I could be harmful to myself and, and beat up on myself. You know, I really practiced very hard to not do at all anymore. But, but that that was so ingrained in me for for forever. But there was someone else, and um, I'll never forget it. I had an appointment with my doc with uh, my doctor with an anatomy exam at 20 weeks, and when my anatomy exam came out, um, that my baby, you know, my pregnancy was perfect. And and like, we were just, you know, I mean, it wasn't expected. So there was there were a few hiccups. But when that anatomy exam came out, that there was something wrong with my baby, potentially, by a test, I really had to grapple with what I I felt in my gut. And Mm -hmm. what I was hearing from everyone else around me, which was, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. And my midwife, who, you know, I love, she was had an amazing practice, and um, there were many things that were great about her, but the medical system had her kind of, I don't know, speak in a certain way about certain things. that, Like, she would say to me in confidence, like, oh, I know, I wish I didn't have to do this, or I wish I, you know. But she said to me, because I said, my gut tells me everything is fine. And she said, well, what if your gut is wrong? And I stopped in my tracks. Like, I remember my partner, my now husband, was like, what's up? And I was like, how do you say
2: that to someone? That's
1: everything to me. You know, obviously I see counsel. Obviously I have a chatter brain that wants to create the fantasy that I think I should have, but I've been playing this gut mind thing in my own body for a long time to know that I got to listen to that. And we ended up going for a second opinion. And in the second opinion sonogram, my baby, my, you know, in utero baby gave me a thumbs up, (laughs) which we were like, (laughs) yes, yes. (laughs) Doctors like you see that I know right. Like the doctors Mm -hmm. like you see that. He's like, all I could say to you is these tests. While modern medicine has done amazing things for women, there there's a, a lot of unknown and fear that comes into pregnancy. That when a doctor says something, we say yes, yes, yes because we think. Well, the doctor knows, and that's, that's the system that we were brought up. The doctor knows that because, they're, you know, they're educated more. And and I don't think we always should listen to our gut. Like, I'm glad I went for my second opinion, but the test was wrong <laughs> for me. And my due date was wrong because of a different test. And so, hmm. you know, machine science aren't always right and I don't want to say sometimes our gut is wrong but I would listen to that if we're in tune with it more than potentially a machine or someone that you don't agree with Mm -hmm. don't think we always have to agree I think we need to be civil I think we need to be kind but I don't necessarily think we have to always agree and the moment you feel like especially when there's another human being that in consideration, I think that that when those flags come up for you, I say find a second opinion
2: and find someone that you trust with your whole heart. Trust is a big word. When it comes to yourself, when it comes to your babies or people that you love or lo- little ones that you love and your healthcare providers, that's a big one. Huge. Everything.
1: I say to women, when, because I, I get calls all the time, you know, I'm, I'm newly pregnant, what should I do? And I was, that, I was that woman. I called my friend who was pregnant, and I just happened to, you know, have a business where I teach yoga teachers how to teach prenatal yoga. And I've had so many of these calls. And my first thing I say to them is, well, your healthcare provider who's delivering your, your baby or going to be in the room with you when you give birth, you should have an intimacy with them that you feel comfortable with them, as comfortable with them as being in the room with you while you make love. Because that's the kind of intimacy that happens in childbirth. That if there's, a, there's anything that's going to cause you to not be in flow with them. And lots of things happen in childbirth. Like I am, I am not a doctor and I don't know. But I know that it's pray for women who are fearful. There's a lot that's unknown in childbirth. And so that's why I feel really passionate about educating women in and around childbirth and educating women that are going out and educating women in and around the childbirth experience and what happens
2: beyond that in motherhood. Because even amongst experts like the doctors, there's still so many unknown variables. And so then if they're guessing and exactly. exactly you don't know what's going on but they're more likely because they're in a position of authority and mm-hmm. part of our hierarchical patriarchal training to fake it or to lie or to to fudge something when it might not be in the best interest for the mom or the baby, or you know, and the impact who they are affecting. You know, the mom yes. and the baby, and then whoever loves them, right? So it's not just affecting them, but it's also everyone who cares about the mom and the baby. So, I
1: I believe in doctors going in this because they want to do no harm, and they and they be, and they believe that at you know whatever age they start this path, but then they have lives too, and there's a, there is definitely statistics out there where there's there's a spike in, in cesarean sections happening between, you know, the four and six hour because on, oh, on Friday yep. Yeah, wouldn't you want to go yep. home and, and, you know, um be with your family for dinner? And and, you know, women tell me all the time they want to induce, they want to induce. Well why do they want to induce? And and that, you know, and I, I ask a lot of questions because I, again I am in no position to talk about you know, my experience is my experience. They're, they need to have and be empowered with their own experience. But, the, you know, I'm, I'm going to be induced. Well, that's when the doctor's on. It's like, I get it. <laughs> I get you want a schedule, doctor. And, but this is childbirth. And that's why midwives plan months in advance when they are going to have a month off. And that month off is off. And I mm-hmm. respect that in midwives, but they will be there. I mean, my midwife said to me in the middle of the, one of the biggest snowstorms in 2010, oh, oh, it happened um, at around like December 28, 29, she delivered five babies on foot in Brooklyn. And I delivered in February. So I, you know, I, I called her in January and I was like, well, what if there's a snowstorm? And she's like, girl, I will be there. And I was like, all right, all right. And I delivered that baby in my home.
2: And I- <laughs> that's reassuring to have that level of loyalty and support. Yeah,
1: because that that same snowstorm, there was a woman who gave birth in a vestibule herself and the baby ended up dying because the ambulance couldn't get to her. And mm-hmm. that baby was was going to be adopted. So there were a lot of families affected by that. And she said to me, and I ask her to tell this story every time she comes to my training, and she says, you know, I wish that we had a better relationship with hospitals because I would have gotten myself there. You know, she was, it was fairly close to where she was. She's like, I could have done that. We have this kind of communication. It's not an anonymous phone call, you know, when you have that kind of intimacy with your care provider and that's what listening to your gut is it's an intimacy of yourself
2: and it's a real getting to know yourself yeah for sure And just like any relationship it can be cultivated and honed and and improved upon oh completely completely
1: and there's times when i garble my own self-justification or my own fantasy and desires By what I think is my truth I seek counsel I have a a few trusted friends and advisors that I go to and I'm like what do you think and they're like what (laughs) go back yeah (laughs) go back yeah (laughs) Uh, get closer get get
2: more intimate get more quiet and listen Yeah, I really love this arc that you're sharing from the moment you remember it shutting down to then Mm -hmm. masking it with the various addictions to then glimmers of light between numbing out and then becoming sober that you get these little glimmers of truth. Mm -hmm. And then since, you know, becoming sober, you're again honing your relationship with becoming more deeply aligned and listening and helping others do that too which is so wonderful and powerful and i think what we're here for and through mm-hmm. such a powerful thing as pregnancy and motherhood and all of the unknowns around that as well as the knowns, just want to acknowledge you for how far you've come and Thank the fact you. that you're using your life too to be of service to others through this journey. You
1: know? Yeah. So. Thank you.
2: You're
1: Thank so you. Happy. Yeah, I say to I say to women um, often when I when I meet them, and I have to figure out a way because there's some women that could hear this and they're like, yeah. And um, but childbirth will change you. It's whether you want to have an empowered or do you want to have a traumatic and and the and those. That spectrum, you could have anything in between, because I had a super empowered first pregnancy, childbirth and pregnancy, and and you know with all of those little hiccups that came along with that, including one in birth, you know. So, but it's really, it really took me standing my ground, educating myself, standing my ground, and and having advisors around me, having people that knew. So that when I was in compromised positions, especially during childbirth, we were compromised. Our brain, we are not in prefrontal cortex <laughs> at all. I was able to have someone there to
2: advocate for me. I get this visual when you talk about that of, you know, like those round tables that were like way back in the day for Kings and Queens where they would have like all their advisors around the table. I love it. I I think of like, you know, you being like, this is like, this is my healing round table and this is who I want at the table. And you Mm -hmm. are the one that appoints the people that are there to advocate for you when you're not in your prefrontal cortex.
1: (laughs) I love that visual.
2: That's amazing. And they change, don't
1: they? Don't you have? Yeah. A, don't you have advisors? Don't you have like Ab- Yeah, your team. Yeah,
2: for sure and yeah, and you can and as you go through different stages of life
1: yeah. it's,
2: It is going to change and they're going to evolve as you change and evolve and um, And there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of you know Like there's this poem called a reason a season a lifetime where people come in for different amounts of, of time and it's all great and good and there is a natural cycle to it. So trusting that and, and also being empowered with your, with your ability to appoint who's at that table. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, that goes down to that gut, that, yeah. like, that knowing. It's like, yeah, I just know this, this, this is a thing. Or yeah. simply, this is not a thing, but you could serve in other ways not,
2: you know, here. (laughs) Right. Um, So what would you say has been one of the greatest lessons that you've learned or that you want a newly pregnant woman to know? Like what's like the biggest intention when you first start working with her?
1: Well, the first, this is why I got into, because I knew birthing and motherhood was where I wanted to go, but the yoga teacher is in a really unique position because we often see women early, where a doula sees a woman later in the term. And the most important decision you make is your health care provider. And whether your friend gave birth to them or not, if you have any kind of inkling that this isn't right, you need to move on.org. <laughs> and, 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 that. Like, yeah. and and it's okay, even if that was your OBGYN since you were, you know, 16 or 17, whatever. But it's okay to change your healthcare provider. And it's important because there's lots of systems in place that you are also going to be advocating for your children, for example, now you have a pediatrician that's saying that your child needs this, but you don't think it needs this. Then you have the school system where you feel like your child needs this, but, you know, you, you are now advocating for someone other than yourself. And so start practicing right there. Start wow. saying no and put up boundaries right there because that, to me, is radical self-care, putting mm-hmm. up boundaries, telling your truth. And in a kind, gentle, loving way, sometimes not always gentle, sometimes not always kind, but telling your truth um, as kindly as possible. And then educate. Educate, educate, educate. Because it can, like our bodies, from our belly button to our mid-thigh, is kind of off limits in the education system. We don't really get much of a sex talk, or at least I didn't, and um, I don't think much has changed, and certainly things aren't really going uphill on that front, uh, and so... <laughs> at the moment. Just, yeah, <laughs> you get handed a box of tampons when you start bleeding, you know, or a box yeah. of pads, or, you know, your older sibling explains it to you, and, you know, that's, or you watch some dated movie that's, I don't know, It's and, and it's not really taking into consideration... Transgender as well, Um, right?
2: Well, and I, I remember or heard that it wasn't until like 1998 or something, like ridiculously recent, that it was discovered that women have a prostate gland, and and I was just floored by that. You know, like that, and this is why we need more women in research and in science and medicine in all all across the board. We need women more engaged in leadership positions. Um, yeah I,
1: I just went to a yeah. talk where um, we basically are it's the it you know we know it's the XY chromosome, but we're basically st- we start exactly the same. We start in our in utero exactly the same with the same everything we just then it develops so it's like and, and then you know, it splits off I'm into,
2: like, being, male, female, intersex, all of that. Exactly. And yeah. I'm not being articulate as,
1: as, you know, because I just heard it, and I'm my brain is still processing that idea that, you know, um, but, but we're, we just don't, we're so, like, boys like blue and girls like pink and trucks and dolls and and it's like why why aren't we primary colored (laughs) Mm -hmm. why aren't we just like all like it's all good whatever you you know I have a a little girl who loves playing basketball shaved her head you know and and it was like and I want to be like why? <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of people. I live in New York City, so there's a lot of people that, that aren't shocked or, you know, they're like, and, and we're also in a different time. But there are people that are like, well, give her some earrings and, you know, let her wear fluffy things. And I'm like, she don't, when she wants to, like, and, and let's not tell her what she wants to. Let's let her discover what she wants. But she definitely looked at me and said, "I want this gone." And I said, and they showed her some pictures, and we we shaved her head. (laughs) I know how liberating that is because I did it myself.
2: Wow, that's she is so lucky to have you helping her grow up. Oh my gosh, guiding and protecting her agency—that's amazing. How old is she? She's nine. Thank you. Oh, she's wow.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I fail in other, in other areas, so. Well, you
2: can't be perfect.
1: Yeah, I, I have to say I, I am teachable, and I, and I actually think of them, my daughters, as my greatest teachers on this planet. They are my, my, my little one is far too much like me for me not to see the mirror of reflection and go, there I am, (laughs) there I am, (laughs) which is.
2: Sometimes not the easiest pill to swallow. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find that you are able to, in a way, reparent yourself in how you parent them?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, completely. And I love my mom to death. I love her. But yeah, I feel like there's been a nurturing and, you know, and, and also it's, Also aligned pre-becoming a parent, it started with me dropping the drink and the drug and the years of really learning how to be gentle in my practice. And again, like back to that, getting more intimate with my truth, which I'm constantly redirecting myself, but my girls to that. Like, what do you want? You know, and sometimes, obviously, they're young and they're just hungry and tired and they don't want to make a decision, which that's what I'm here for, too. But, but yeah, I, I certainly have grown up quite a bit in the last nine years and then certainly the 16 years, for sure.
2: I What comes to mind when you're saying that is, I don't know who said, I think it might have been Oprah or Maya Angelou who said, like, we stand on the shoulders. Of those who have gone before us so Mm. I think that we can really love and deeply respect like our parents even though they may not have had the knowledge or all all the research and the knowledge that has come out to help us be not only physically healthier but more emotionally healthy and more mentally healthy that is all fairly recent and I think we can disagree with maybe how we were raised, but still deeply love and respect our parents because we're standing on the shoulders and the research and the knowledge of those that have gone before us and we have access to things that we just didn't know back then. And, and I know Oprah said this, when we know better, we do better. And yeah. um, so that's,
1: I hope that, 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 my kids do it differently too. You know, I hope that they continue to evolve and learn and grow And do things differently. But there are, I mean, there are so many things that, like, just sitting there thinking, and I'm like, my mother was of service all the time. She created community beautifully. She is so loving and nurturing and giving. I'll run with those good qualities. And I know that that's where my business came from, this desire to bring women together. And for my mom, it was making crafts. And, you know, she'd have all the women, all the moms from the PTA and beyond in, her, in our basement as around a couple of tables making crafts for the, the different fundraisers that they would sell the crafts at. And, you know, I have them hanging on my tree <laughs> that I get to remember. <laughs> yeah. It, but, and then, you know, of service, it's like helping other women. My mom does and did that beautifully in my eyes. I respect that and I honor that with the path that I chose. I really I you know I know that my kids will be teenagers someday but I hope that there's a point where they can turn around and say thank you. <laughs> I'm getting a little choked up but it is this this lineage is real whether maybe, maybe there's a part of our our lineage and I say this to all of us all all women all men you know there's a part that's broken but What do we do? Do we stay victim to it or do we change? And, you know, I just want to keep changing and growing and learning, remain teachable.
2: Yes, and you're doing that and you're helping others do that too. And you're coming from a quiet, still, wise place. Thank you. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Is, Is there anything else you want to mention about the process of owning your voice and stepping fully into that I know like we never stop evolving we never stop becoming but from where you're at at this point in your life is there anything else you want to add yeah I mean
1: I feel like the next layer of this is an into motherhood and into maternal care is the inequities for women of color and I feel like that's like my next stage and where I want to focus my work and my effort because there's plenty of um, prenatal yoga teacher trainings and there's plenty of prenatal yoga teachers but I'm pretty sure that um, and I could be wrong but at least in New York City I feel like there's a missing link right there. I want to support women of color, who I feel like are not necessarily not invited in the yoga room, but I've always felt like it's an upper to middle class white woman thing. The yoga that is currently in the West. I know that there's a lot of shifts happening in and around New York City, sure around the rest of the country, as we as
2: we wake up. So I want to be a voice for that change. And, and for creating more inclusive spaces, that is honoring the heart of yoga, which is about union, and it's, it's not about it's not about an elitist access to to healthcare or to the things that help us thrive. It's like making this accessible to everyone. And I yeah. say that I see this again. We no one is free and no one is safe until everyone is free and everyone is safe, and that's the bottom line. That is like the physics of it. And so when we Mm -hmm. start to really see that there actually is no separation and that my liberation is directly tied to your liberation and really get that we are really in this all together, a much more powerful place to stand for change and speak to the things that are unjust and just plain wrong and um, create the change that we really want to have for our lives for our families for our communities so i'm excited to see what you will create i know this is messy work and we're going to make mistakes but we must come back to it again and again and again Uh because our liberation is tied into it yep so
1: completely thank you for doing that yeah yeah i mean the maternal mortality rate for women of color is through the roof compared to white women it is i mean it's not even comparable and it's like I, 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 I'm, you know, again, like somewhere where I'm just kind of, like you said, it's going to be messy, and I plan on making mistakes, and I, I make mistakes fairly well. Um, I try not to get my ego too much into it, although sometimes that doesn't always work. But, but, you know, it's so important, and you're 100% right, right about the freedom. We are not free until everyone is free. And it's been too long. I'm just, it's, I'm just tired of it. You know, and I know there are women who are already on the forefront of this in terms of doula work, but I don't necessarily know that it's happening. And, and if it is, hey, call me, let's work together. But in the yoga world, in terms of the prenatal yoga world, I'm not sure that that's exactly been happening. All my classes yeah. that are taught by students that have gone through my training, free so uh, I'm super proud of that and we are doing we are creating mommy and me classes in that precious time where women just need to put the oxygen mask I just held an infant in my arms today so a mama could get her oxygen mask on for a little self-care and I I will do it any time for women and I want to do that in the yoga room so I'm creating a mommy and me training
2: which is going to be free So. That's great, because then it makes it accessible to, you know, to all people. So it's good. Yes, yes. Thank you for doing that. All right, love, are you ready to move into the final questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so what gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my daughter? <laughs>
1: on the, yes, on the literally. Yeah, l- literally. They keep me out of my bed. Uh, making my bed keeps me out of my bed too, which is a habit that I made. there's non-negotiable unless I'm sick. Uh, I get to rest, but if I curl back into that bed, I don't. I just don't want to go down that that rabbit hole,
2: or unless I'm yeah. really tired. Yeah. So, but your girls are your purpose. They're what like, the the motivation for getting up. They're,
1: They're why I made my business. They are my every day, 100%.
2: Wow. All right. Gratitude and joy are twins. And the more that we practice gratitude, the more joy we not only experience, but then we then radiate out into the world. So just as a practice of something, I want to amplify and encourage myself as well as everyone else to do is a gratitude practice so I'm curious what are you grateful for
1: I love this question I am grateful for my partner who supports me I'm grateful for my support, my my advisory board, <laughs> <laughs> your healing circle,
2: <laughs> my healing
1: circle, um, yeah. and and the healing circles that I get to create and step into mm-hmm. as a leader. I am super grateful for women that trust me in that. I am super grateful for because I believe in the circle. I believe in that circle being created again and again and again. Um, I tell my women who've gone through my training now go out and make your own circle and lead and um, I'm grateful for my family and my my two girls who remain remain my greatest
2: teachers beautiful um, Marianne Williamson you know you've heard her deepest fear quote and just to paraphrase, she says, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our fear of inadequacy, our presence automatically liberates others. So in the spirit of liberation, what are you most proud of?
1: I am most proud of, uh, well, I mean, I, there's a few things, but I'm most proud recently of starting a business and maintaining a business. But I could also say of, of starting a marriage and maintaining a
2: marriage. Yes.
1: <laughs> starting a, a, a role of, of mother and maintaining a role of mother and, like, just follow through. I'm really proud of, because, you know, in my past life of addiction, I had a lot of, I, I, you know, it's, it's not the cleanest word, but I, I, I gave up a lot. I was going to say the case of the F-ups. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I often just just didn't care and, and would just give up on things and people. And I'm really proud of my ability to stick through things. Uh, even when I get scared or really uncomfortable or, or just tired, I'm proud of the fact that I follow through when I say that I'm going to follow through. So, yeah, that's it in a, <laughs> a roundabout way
2: beautiful thank you what is your wish or your prayer for the country the world or the planet peace
1: i wish there was um, you know i wish anyone who's suffering peace and i wish that suffering looks like um you know physical pain but it also looks like mental anguish and it looks like anger and it looks like fear often and I just I wish for all beings peace because I believe then we can heal Uh, then that's when the healing begins and that awareness but also that that healing then can begin Once that uncomfortability comes out when we become aware and that shame and that, you know, that inability to step forward another step, the ones carrying the peace, that's when we swoop in. That's when we can swoop in and heal. And so more healers and and more peace. That's great. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for these great questions and they have this podcast in a perfect time in the world where where she's heard she's being heard and mm-hmm. and people are listening mm-hmm. and you know my wish for my girls and all the little girls it's about all of the kids in all of the schools they they're, they're going to grow up in a different in a, in a different world i believe that and it's because of the courageous and the vulnerable
2: work that's happening right now
1: so good for you
2: thank you yes good for us well thank you so much for sharing your story thank you for the work that you're doing in the world thank you for the care and attention and mindfulness of which you are raising your daughters and attending to your marriage and your business it's inspiring
0: and keep it up love keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Again, that was Chrissy Shields and you can find her at mahamama.com. That's M A H A mama.com as well as Chrissy Shields, yoga.com. If you have a story to share or an experience that helped you find your voice, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to she's and click on the button that says share my story. If you'd like to stay in touch, please sign up for our newsletter for updates on the latest releases and opportunities to connect. And tune in to the next episode. More inspiration, wisdom, and insight is on the way. Until next time, standing in our collective liberation, be well.